Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Matthews, and you're listening to the final episode in our Shaped by Scripture series that we've been doing throughout the month of October. Next week, we're going to shift gears to begin focusing on what it means to be led by the Spirit. But for today, the question before us is, how do we read the Bible? On Sunday, we talked about the Bible's authority. We Christians care to read Scripture because we believe that it has a certain kind of authority. We believe that we should not only read it, but bring our lives into alignment with it. But of course, that raises all kinds of questions. Like, how does a book full of written stories, testimonies, poems, letters, exercise meaningful authority in our real lives? And again, on Sunday, we said that it's ultimately, of course, Jesus who exercises the authority through the Bible, and that his authority is always used for the sake of doing particular things, like creating, loving, correcting, liberating, particularly liberating our affections, is what we talked about on Sunday, so that we can love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and so that we can love each other as we love ourselves. That's the great commandment that we looked at in Matthew 22. According to the ancient Hebrews and James K.A. Smith, as we saw on Sunday, our affections are shaped by actions. So we read, we pray, we serve each other, submitting our actions to the authority of Jesus so that he can liberate through the work of his spirit and shape our affections to love like he loves, to love God the Father, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I'm reviewing some of the content from Sunday because I actually do think that this framework informs how we read the Bible. If you're a faithful listener of The Bible Project, you know that Tim and John spend a lot of time talking about paradigms in the series they did about how to read the Bible, which I will commend to you again. You can just Google Bible Project Paradigms and you'll find it. A paradigm is essentially a framework. It can be theological or philosophical, scientific, but it's a framework of ideas that functions a lot like scaffolding for the way we think about things. The word for paradigm comes from the Greek word for pattern. So a paradigm presents as a pattern a set of pre-existing assumptions that my brain then uses to arrange new data, to make sense of it. And many of us have inherited a paradigm that we're using when we read the Bible. It's designed to help us get certain things out of it. Things like answers to our questions, or spiritual encouragement, or rules to follow. And I believe you can and should find those things in the Bible. But when we approach the Bible primarily as an information source from which we can get answers to predetermined questions, or even encouragement, because that's what we come to it wanting, we think we already know what we need, then that's what I'm going to call the mining for paradigms, or the mining for diamonds paradigm, rather. When you're mining for diamonds, you're going into the mine looking for specific things. You might stumble across other nice-looking gems, but it's really the diamonds you're after. Conversely, when someone enters a mine because they believe there's a whole treasure trove worth of geological wonders there, diamonds included, uh, but also other gems, and maybe things 
you've misunderstood or yet to discover. That's a different approach. These are two distinct approaches. One is extraction. I know what I'm looking for before I go in. The other is exploration. I know things before I go in. I have knowledge that helps me find my way around, that helps me understand what I'm seeing. But the goal is discovery. And who knows what I'll come away with. Different approaches based on different paradigms. I would encourage you to adopt an exploration approach to the Bible. This is a posture that assumes I have things to learn that I don't yet even know really how to look for, that there are actual treasures that will benefit my life, and that maybe I don't already know what those treasures are. But other people possess tools that can help me know how to find them. That's posture and paradigm. Now for the really practical stuff. How do we do the exploring? I'm going to be painfully practical for this bit and give you three tips. My aim is not to be prescriptive. There are, for example, so many really great Bible reading plans. I love daily devotionals. I love journaling. I love listening to the Bible on audio. You can do this a thousand different ways. This is just one way. So first tip, if you suspect that your paradigm might need some work, that perhaps the interpretive lenses you've inherited might be functioning in a more limiting way, more like a metal detector than a magnifying glass, then you really should listen to the Bible Project's paradigm series, truly. You can listen to the podcast, watch the videos, commit time between now and maybe the start of the new year to learning some new tools so that in January you could start reading the Bible with fresh lenses. There are other great podcasts out there, of course. Bayma with Marty Solomon is also great. But I do think the Bible Project is a really great place to start. Second tip. In terms of a daily Bible reading plan, I use the daily office lectionary from the Book of Common Prayer. No surprises there. So for those of us who are new to the BCP, I'm going to say a few things about it. And the rest of you can put me on double speed through this bit, if you'd like. So first, where do we find it? The Daily Office Lectionary. For online and really user-friendly access, you can download the app, which we'll include in the show notes of this episode. But you can also just search in the App Store for Daily Office 2019. You should find it there. Now, when we say the daily office, it's important to bear in mind that we're referring to the whole liturgy, not just the Bible readings. So the app includes a liturgy for morning, midday, evening, and Compline prayer. Compline is bedtime prayer. So you can go through the whole liturgy, prayers, confessions, included each day, or you can simply read the assigned scriptures, which is honestly what I do most days. I do begin with prayer. It's a simple prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. And then I read, typically starting with the Old Testament reading. And then the New Testament ones from the gospel and an epistle. And then I typically close with the psalm. And then close in prayer using the collect of the day, which, again, you can see in the app. This particular lectionary, this Bible reading plan, is designed to help you read through the whole Bible sequentially meaning it skips around and cuts out less than other lectionaries. And I think that's important. So I don't ever 
like to pick up the Bible and start reading in the middle of a chapter if I don't know what's happened before. So I'll read the first, let's say, eight verses, even if they aren't assigned, just so I know what happened. So that's one way. But let's say you prefer to avoid screens, and really, we probably all should. You can also find these readings listed in order on our website, as well as in your Sunday bulletin, and of course, also in the Book of Common Prayer itself. So third and final tip, you have to give yourself time. You really do need at least 20 to 30 minutes to be able to read and pray. You can, of course, spend less time than that. And most days you may have to. But I would be lying to you if I said that I think the kind of meaningful engagement with God that you're hoping for can happen in less time than that. But on the days when you're pressed for time, pray, read a New Testament reading, focus on a particular word or phrase, or maybe an image that stands out to you, and try to hold it in your memory throughout the day. Maybe memorize a verse. And then as you're driving or exercising or doing chores, turn your mind to God's word, to that particular verse or image or word, and pray through it. This is devotional reading. It's not reading to learn so much as it's reading for the sake of devotion to Jesus because we're devoted to following him. So we regularly submit ourselves to his authority through his word. And we ask him to lead and shape us. But we do need a space for Bible study, which is a different way of reading. And it's really important. Listening to podcasts or reading books is, of course, one way to do that. But I actually think the best way is to study in person with other Christians. And we will, of course, have to do this more occasionally. But it's really important that you make space to do it, especially if you haven't in a long time. You on your own listening to a disembodied voice, no matter how smart or godly, is not an ideal way to engage the Bible. Better than nothing, yes. But over the long run, I actually don't know how good it is at all. Because only until very recently in our history has it even been possible to try to study or engage with the Bible that way. But the people of God have always been studying and learning together reading and listening, wrestling together since the earliest days of our faith. So in just a couple weeks, beginning the week of November 12th, we're going to be offering two opportunities for in-person study through the week. One gathering will take place up in Bentonville on Monday mornings at 7 a.m. And the other gathering will be down in Fayetteville at the prayer room on Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. And you'll be hearing more about these studies in the newsletter and at church. Okay, that's all for now. I'll close with this collect from the Book of Common Prayer, a prayer for how we read. Blessed Lord, who has cast all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time.